Most of us love the idea of traveling, but between the constraints of money, time, and the hustle and bustle of day-to-day -day life, few of us ever get to visit all of the places we'd like to experience. On this show, Phil and Pete have conversations with interesting people who have, and do, live in some of the most remote and exotic locales on the planet. Together, we'll travel the world from the privacy of your earbuds in Vicarious Encounters. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Vicarious Encounters. I'm Phil. And I'm Pete. And today we have Kate with us here to talk about her time in Costa Rica. But before we get there, Pete, why don't you tell us what's going on with you? Well, I just got a chance to go to do my first race since uh, COVID, so it's kind of get good getting back into that. And then uh, later this week, I am leading two Ragnar teams. It's a 120-mile, eight-person trail race in the hills of Texas. I'm looking forward to it. How about you, Phil? Oh, that well, first of all, that sounds really cool. I did my last race right as COVID was ending. Uh, my wife and I were training for a half marathon, and... The race was canceled, so we did it virtually on our own and all that good stuff, because literally, like, everything shut down the week before the race, so we'd already put all the time in. But honestly, we're recording on a Sunday night. We're recording uh, in the middle of the NFL season, and I just have to talk about how my Vikings are going into their bye week with a 5-1 and one record, and the Green Bay Packers are 3-3. Three and three. They'll probably be terrible by the time this airs, even, but right now, I'm feeling pretty good. Classic Vikings fan right there. But Kate, welcome. It's good to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us this evening. Uh, it's good to see you, bud. Thank you. So you were in Costa Rica. Actually, you are in Costa Rica. Tell us, uh, when did you get there? How long have you been there? So I arrived in Costa Rica about 18 months ago. It was April of last year, and uh, I'm still living there. Fantastic. What led you there? Like, why Costa Rica of all places? Uh, well, let's see. I I had been trying to get back to Latin America to continue my Spanish education. I was trying to learn the second language, and it was COVID time, so lots of the borders were closed uh, to a lot of countries, except Mexico and Costa Rica. So I've been to Mexico plenty of times before, so Costa Rica was the natural selection. That's fantastic. I, my daughter actually moved to Costa Rica for a summer, um, so she had a little bit of experience there, but I'm glad to be talking to somebody that's lived there considerably longer. Tell us, like, when you think about Costa Rica, what do you love about Costa Rica? What do you love about the people? <laughs> my favorite, favorite thing about Costa Rica is the Pura Vida, right? This is the word that we use for the laid-back vibe and the really relaxed lifestyle. Yeah, everything is slowed down and uh, really easy going. Um, most of the locals are largely non-confrontational. Um, a lot of the expats and international tourists have trouble adjusting to these to the slow paced lifestyle for the for the long lines, for the waiting for someone to come out and repair your internet or lights or waiting in line to get your paper signed or something like this, you know, um, it's very slow and it's very easy. We keep hearing this a lot. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, is it ever hard for you? Does it ever work on your patience or is it, you know, how long does it take you to custom yourself <laughs> to that, to that pace? We like to call it us expats. We like to call it the de period. 
Um, it's that transition from moving from one culture to the other and learning how to let it go and to let it roll off your shoulder. For me, it's quite easy because I personally never enjoy being in a hurry. So it's never difficult for me to adjust. It's more difficult for me to adjust coming back to Texas and being here with my family. Um, but there are lots of expats who have trouble with this often. You know, they get a little frustrated. They'll throw their hands up in the air if something doesn't happen right when they want it to happen. Um, it eventually does, you know, you just got to be patient with it. So tell us, uh, what is it like to live there then besides this, or maybe even in light of this uh, Pura Vida, paint a picture of it for us. So uh, Costa Rica is a very small country, but it's diverse in its landscape. And where I live is in a small touristic beach town on the Pacific coast. Um, and it's in the blue zone region. I don't know if you've heard of this before, but- um, No, what's that? The blues, a blue zone region is a region of the world where people tend to live longer lives. And there's only five in the world. I'm, so uh, the Nicoya Peninsula, where I live, I think there's one in Greece. There's one in Japan. There's one in California. And I, I don't remember. I don't remember all of them. That's um, fascinating. Any idea what contributes to that area being a blue zone? I have some ideas, but I don't think there's scientific studies on it. But I think it's because people tend to be more active and they eat healthier and they spend more time outside. Seems reasonable. I love living in my little coastal town. There's rainforest that butts right up to the ocean. So I can have my beach days surfing, snorkeling, swimming, sunbathing, or I can go into a hike and go find the waterfalls and the swimming holes and the rivers and the jungle and the animals and things like that too. So I get the best of both worlds right within walking or biking distance from my, from my door. Yeah, there's a band of wild horses that roam my beaches and my neighborhoods. They're very tame and very calm. Uh, but they're free roaming, right? Hmm. I have this tiny little studio apartment. It's not fancy. It's not special, but it has everything you need to be comfortable. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't sound like you need to be inside all that often. It sounds like Never. there's so much to be outside for. What, what's the climate like in general? It's pretty warm most year round. Um, the daylight hours are fairly consistent. I think between the winter and summer solstice, the daylight hours only changes by one hour total. Wow. So it's very consistent as far as sunrise and sunset goes. It's very hot and humid for most of the year. And then we have rainy season for part of the time and then dry season for part of the time. So right now, currently it's rainy season, which means we might get an afternoon monsoon daily or something like that, but it never rains for days on end. Um, but it stays pretty soggy pretty moldy and soggy and damp during the rainy season. You said something about animals. What kinds of animals have you seen there that you don't typically see in Texas? Ooh, ooh, there's so many. There's monkeys. So we get these howler monkeys that they don't come to the ground. They're a little shy, but they like to yell at you from the treetops. <laughs> yeah. There's this one family of monkeys that likes to live in my garden. I have to be careful on my laundry washing days because I dry my clothes on the line outside when it's not raining, of course. 
So if the monkeys are hanging out in my garden that day, I cannot be drying my clothes because they'll just drop their droppings all over my clean stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't swing in the hammock because they like to hang out right above me and then I'll get, yeah, I'll get filthy. <laughs> is, is this the voice of experience? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've woken up from a nap with something dribbling all, all over me. and it's All right. <laughs> <laughs> so are we talking incidental or deliberate? I think that I, there's a male monkey, and I think he's just as mad at me for invading his space when I first moved into that space. So I think <laughs> I think it's on purpose. So okay, if uh, Pete and I were to show up there, what would you take us to do? What would uh, we eat? Where would we go? Ooh, okay. So there's lots of um, typical Costa Rican foods, and none of them are spectacular, honestly. <laughs> There's a lot of rice and beans and really plain flavors. I think my favorite snack is probably the ceviche because I live right on the ocean. So we've got fresh catches of fish. Um, I live in a fishing community. So there's fishermen in the bay every day and there's boats coming every day bringing in fresh mahi-mahi or marlin or tuna or something. And you'll get ceviche every day. This or you'll always see somebody frying up a batch of chicharrones on the side of the road. You know, the street food's incredible. You just walk down the street and somebody's got a cooler full of warm tamales or cooking something on the grill right there. Like I said, it's not really spectacular flavor-wise, but it's always readily available and pretty Mm. quick to eat and very, very cheap, you know. But you can't really eat your food without having a chili guado in your hand my favorite thing so i would probably take you guys to have my favorite drink which is called a chili guaro so guaro is a spirit it's a clear spirit native to costa rica it's made from sugar cane so it's a little bit like rum um a clear rum and then the ticos so tico is a word that we use to call a native costa rican tico now are they okay with like oh, when yeah. you say they we use okay yeah okay just making sure. <laughs> sure i mean they call me a gringa and that's okay too it's not really used in a derogatory manner so the ticos like to mix their guaro with a mixture of tomato juice and basco and lime juice and salt as basic as it gets there you can add some more things to it to kind of spice it up that's the basic recipe it's called a chili guaro typically it's served in a shot shot glass okay Ooh, I love chili, so I usually order it as a cocktail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. So when you close your eyes and think about Costa Rica, what are some of the images that come to mind? Misty waterfalls that spill into the ocean. And I see the deep celeste blue waters of rivers that flow from spewing volcanoes but with fresh little swimming holes in them. And I see steam coming out of out of hot springs, just wild hot springs on the hillside where people like to bathe themselves. Um, I see sloths hanging from the trees. I see macaws flying and screaming at each other through the palm trees. There's so much biodiversity in Costa Rica that all you got to do is leave your house without a plan and something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. It's always an adventure, you know? Um, On my days off of work, I'm always finding a little trail or a little path to go explore. All of the beachfront and all of the waterways 
our public domain. So you can wow. legally hike up or down river without worrying about crossing private property because it's all public domain. So you can go explore anywhere and find something fun. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it really does. Talk talk about the sounds. Like when I close my eyes and think about Dallas, I hear airplanes and cars mm -hmm. and yelling a lot. What? <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like <laughs> I don't live in that bad a neighborhood, but that's that's not what I associate. What does it sound like there? So I have to say the parakeets are our yellers. They're noisy, chatty little birds. They're sort of the grackle of Costa Rica, you know. They're everywhere and they're spunky and they flutter about and they're just so noisy. They're, but they're beautiful little birds. They're just so, so noisy. So that's always prevalent along the beach towns. Um, and obviously the waves, the ocean waves. Sometimes you can hear them from five, 600 meters away if the swell is pretty big. You can just hear the crashing of the ocean. Mm. Yeah. So you mentioned before we started that you had lived elsewhere in uh, Central and South America. What what do you think are some of the things about Costa Rica that are most distinctive about that that country? Good question. Costa Rica, I believe, it has a greater sense of ecotourism, um, just tourism in general, I believe, than some of the other countries. It's really set up for travelers. There's many, many tour operators and private shuttle services and hotels, Airbnbs, places to stay or eat in just about everywhere you go, just about mm. everywhere, as opposed to some of the more remote locations I've been in Central and South America, you can get off the beaten path pretty easily. Whereas in mm. Costa Rica, it's not, it's not that easy. You can do it, mm. but it's not quite as easy as other places. So when I travel, what I want more than anything else is somebody who's actually lived there that can tell me, now here's what you really want to do. Yeah. So I suspect if I Googled tourism in Costa Rica, a million things would pop up. Sure. And but, they're all beautiful. Is, but let's go back to Phil's question. He mentioned, where would you take us? What would you do with us? What oh, are some right. other things that you'd say, here's really the inside scoop on what I would do if I had a chance to visit to come in and out? Yeah, right. So as someone who's been living there in one place. Well, I've been kind of moving around the country, but I've been planted in Samra for about a year, a little bit more than a year. When you live in a place, you learn those secret little spots uh -huh. that the tour companies don't take you. But the locals and the expats who live there, it's pretty popular with them. So I can take you to this secret little beach where there's a waterfall and there's caves where waves just crash through these open arch and splash you and, and push you aside, you know? And I can take you to that private beach where the sand is pink and where the hermit crabs just swarm the coconuts, you know? And you'll see people there, you'll see surfers there, you'll see campers there, but you'll never see tour companies there. So there's lots of these <laughs> hikes really, really within steps of the little town where I live. And I'm sure this exists in all of the country too. You just sort of have to plant and be there okay. to explore it on your own, right? Hmm. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned earlier getting uh, tamales on the side of the road as you uh, walk around. And that's amazing to me. Tamales are one of my absolute favorite things in the entire world. But in your notes here, you mentioned something called a casado. I've never heard of that. Can you tell yeah. us about that? 
So uh, a casado is a typical Costa Rican plate of food. Um, it comes from the, it literally translates to the word married. So it's a typical plate that you would see served at a family dinner table all across the country. I've heard a couple of different stories of why they call it that specifically. Some say it's because it's what the wife would typically make for her husband. And others say it's because it's when rice and beans are separate on the plate, but served together. Um, and it's a plate typically with an entree and meat entree with about three or four sides, ensalada, picadillo, picadillos of um, chopped sauteed vegetables, um, some fried platanos, which tends to be on the sweet side. These are uh, platanos maduros or, ooh, I, this happens to me a lot. I know it in Spanish, but I forget what it is in English. Mature or, uh, oh, what is it in English? <laughs> <laughs> Um, That's a nice problem to have. They're not green. They're not green. They're uh, plantains. Yeah, they're mature plantains, but the mature is not the right word. I can't. I ripe. Know ripe is that the word there you want? There you go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> My noodles. <laughs> anyway, they're ripe plantains, sliced and fried in a pan, so they're a little bit sweet. Uh, so yeah, this is a typical plate. Now the rice and beans, because they're typically served separately on this plate. If there's enough left over, they tend to get mixed together with some salsa or something. And then the next morning it's served what they call is gallo pinto. It's just the beans and the rice mixed together on a plate with eggs and fruit and homemade bread or tortilla or something like this. Yeah. All that sounds pretty familiar to me. It sounds like maybe some unique flavors in there, but uh, as somebody who's living in Texas, a lot of that sounds like, okay, yeah, that, that sounds familiar and it sounds delicious are there any unusual foods anything that you like either you've eaten or others have eaten that you're like ah, i don't know about that one so I, the locals like to eat turtle eggs i am dying to try this i haven't had an opportunity because it's highly highly illegal um, oh. sea turtles are endangered so they don't encourage people to harvest the turtle eggs from the beach it happens you know um, so I will, I'm not going to seek out a turtle egg, but if it's presented to me, I'm not going to turn it down. Right. Mm. So I've seen it. I've, well, I've heard stories of how they consume it different ways, just the same way that you can do with a chicken egg, you know, scrambled or in a taco or something. And I've even seen some people just take it raw as a shot, you know, with a couple of drops of hot sauce or something like this. So <laughs> I don't know how it'll be presented to me, but I'm going to try it either way. I'd like to try this. So tell us about animals or insects that uh, have been part of your experience there. The insects here are ginormous. <laughs> We're, I'm living in prehistoric times, I think. They're the size of dinosaurs. These katydids are... I mean, their bodies are the size of my arm, you know, with leg. I, it's hard to put this in words. The cockroaches all have different designs on the back of their their wings or their shell, if you will. I've seen some that look like a skull and they're so big, they're as big as a baby's head, you know, just crawling along all beautiful, beautiful creatures, right? That sounds like a horror film. <laughs> and they fly. <laughs> Do any of them look like Kafka? <laughs> it's, 
and you know, and I have to shake my towel out every day because you never know if there's going to be a scorpion crawling in there. In fact, I've had to start putting my toilet plunger over my shower drain because there's a little crab that that lives in my drain and he scuttles out sometimes and sometimes he gets out into my bedroom and he likes to hide under my stuff and he's kind of stinky so I just, I'm keeping it contained to my shower drain. <laughs> okay I was I was with you up until this conver this part of the conversation now I'm, I'm starting to have second thoughts <laughs> you, you mean you would stay away from a place as beautiful and exotic as Costa Rica just for the sake of a few bugs and crabs and scorpions and never mind <laughs> probably not but the longer the list gets the more i'm scratching my head the more. but i do have to say i think my my favorite creature in costa rica that i've encountered are the dogs and i've started calling them the puta vida peritos because they're so lazy and they're all free roaming so leashes and yards don't really exist here. People just let their animals go wherever they want. And all the animals, for the most part, are super pura vida. You know, mm. everybody knows everybody. Everybody gets along. In fact, I know most of the beach dogs by their names, and I have no idea who their owners are. But they're all well-fed and fat and happy and having a great time. So I've started an Instagram account. For these super lazy, incredibly funny, silly dogs called Puda Vida Peritos. Okay, so now we know where to what Instagram account to follow yeah. if we want to know. All right, that's the well, one. And you'll see we'll have to put that in the advertising for the episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you'll see some cat appearances and some horse appearances. I do all the you know a lot of animals that I encounter, but most of the time it's it's the peros. <laughs> okay. Is there anything that you have seen that surprised you or was something you never thought that you would see or anything like that? Anything that was like kind of pops out at you or you would think would be, uh, would be interesting to our listeners. Yeah. I want to say one of my most vivid memories was the turtle arribada. So the sea turtles come up to shore every month, once a month for about, a week or less, it depends on the month, they, they come up on shore in the evening and they lay their eggs and then they swim out back to shore when daylight comes. So you can only see these turtles at sunset before you lose the light or at sunrise before it gets too bright, right? Mm -hmm. And then right now, especially right now during the rainy months, they come with more volume. So if you go, if there's an Arribala right now, you'll see hundreds hundreds and hundreds of turtles laying their eggs on the beach on top of each other's eggs that have already been laid. And then at the same wow. time, you'll see some of those eggs starting to hatch and these tiny little creatures scuttling to the ocean, running to the ocean. And then off in the distance, you'll see um, dozens of uh, death chickens. What do you call them death chickens? What are they? They're buzzards. They're vultures. <laughs> <laughs> death chicken is so much better a name i think we need to adopt death it. chickens from now on <laughs> anyway they, they hang out and they wait for their time to pounce now they don't feed on live turtles but this is a process all those turtles are old they lay their eggs and then they just they die they pass on so mm -hmm. the vultures will get their fill on the rotting carcasses 
or sometimes they'll pick at some of the eggs or something like this. So wow. if you're lucky to go see it, you can see all phases of life in one hour of the visit from mature turtles coming in. You can watch her plop her eggs into this little hole that she's dug. Hmm. And then in the next hole, you'll see turtles climbing their way out of it. And then in the next hole, you'll see just an empty turtle shell with these vultures kind of picking their way through it from, from the start of life to the end of it. It's just a beautiful, beautiful experience. So I never thought I would see all in one place. Yeah, it sounds very much like a National Geographic episode. It truly is. In fact, I think I got a photo of a Punta Vida Perito wandering one of those beaches during the Aribada. So there you go. Just okay. Turn around, hanging out with the turtles. <laughs> Other things that you never thought you'd see that were part of your, have been part of your experience over the last year and a half or so. So I've seen more, um, would, maybe I would call it a natural disaster or maybe just a natural encounter on a grand scale that you wouldn't see just living in Dallas, Texas, right? Or so frequently i have to leave the country to do a border run to renew my tourist visa i'm only allowed to be in the country for 90 days at a time so i like to make a little vacation out of it one of those trips i went to guatemala where there's also other active volcanoes where you can mm. go and camp so i did go visit this active there's twin volcanoes one active and one dormant and we hiked up to the dormant one camped at the top hiked the saddle over to the active one and just stood right below her while she exploded this rock. You could feel the heat around you. Wow. The ground is shaking, you know? And then we'd hike back to camp and then camp all night long. This explosion just rattled our tents all night long, you know? And the guides are always just a little bit on edge because you never know if the explosion is going to be a little too intense to scurry us back downhill, right? Oh, it was insane to feel this power. I felt the power of the ocean and the waves, but to feel the power of earth and fire too on the opposite scale of that, mm. uh, it was humbling, you know? Yeah. Wow. I, I thought it was impressive hiking in Colorado. This sounds, uh, this is a whole nother level here. <laughs> I couldn't walk for three days, you know? <laughs> Imagine Colorado <laughs> exploding. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. So where on the scale of awe and fear, like, is there a point at which you're like, maybe this was a bad idea? I never think it's a bad idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Okay. Of course, I'm filled with awe and wonder and fear and all of these feelings, but I love feeling these feelings. It reminds me that I'm alive and, and mm. I'm a human and I have only this minute, tiny little time of existence in this whole universe. And if you're going to spend it boxed away in a quiet little corner and not experiencing the life that you're given, then why are you, why, why are you even living? You know, mm. so I embrace and accept all of these challenges to make me feel more alive than I would anywhere else. Um, you said that one of the reasons that you traveled was to go back and work on your second language acquisition. Have you uh, ever run into any any faux pas when you were practicing your language or anything like that? Oh, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of times. Uh, 
you know, most of the times they're in a not non-appropriate setting. In fact, there was this one time, okay, so once upon a time, I heard this man yelling on the side of the street, a la orden, a la orden, and he was selling snacks, foods. And essentially this translates to at your service, but most literally it's like for your order or to your order, yeah? So in my mind, I'm like, oh, okay, this is the verb for to order. Or they not. That's what I thought at the time. So <laughs> not a few days later, I was um, hungover, you know, trying to order pizza on the phone or something like that, you know. And I was trying to order with this verb. Can I order the pizza? And they're like, hmm. turns out this verb sounds a lot like not, <laughs> which means to pee. So I'm thinking, they were, they were like, why is this girl asking me to pee on her pizza? <laughs> Phil, if you edit that out, uh, uh, I, I won't do any more episodes. We must keep I, I have... Uh... <laughs> I've definitely seen uh, some interesting pizza toppings in other countries, but that uh, is a new one to me. That tops it all. <laughs> so you're here in the U.S. visiting, I assume. And uh, I'm wondering, like, while you're here, what do you miss about being among the Ticos? Oh, man. I miss Costa Rica. I miss the humidity. I'm getting daily nosebleeds here. My skin is flaking. I feel like a raisin. <laughs> I miss my humidity. <laughs> I miss my daily sunset shows on the beach because it's a very social event. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Huh. Texas has beautiful sunsets. Absolutely. Yeah. The big sky. But it, 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 there, it's a culture that nobody misses it. Five o'clock every day, everybody's on the beach. And we're all sitting together and we're all mm. watching this daily scheduled program because you never know what's going to happen. It's always different every day. Um, How is community among people different in that context than what you've become accustomed to when you're in the States? So I live in a pretty small town where there's not a lot of resources. So usually when something goes wrong or someone's in trouble and someone needs help, it's very, very common to see everybody just jump together to help somebody out. Um, and, and because it's so small, you can easily leave your house and just go down the street and you're going to see 10 people that, you know, so it's mm -hmm. easy to keep in touch and have conversations about what's going on in each other's lives without using the telephone. So it's more personal. And when you spend this more personal time with people, you develop a deeper connection with them. And um, you develop more love and care for them, obviously. And so it makes you kind of want to give a little bit more of yourself because they're giving it back to you also. Hmm. Do you miss that when you're not there? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I miss seeing the faces. It's different. You know, I'm, I'm trying to keep in touch with them with my text and call apps. And it's, it's just not the same. It's just hmm. a little bit too disconnected. Uh, for me. So yeah, I'm, I miss that personal connection. I miss the ocean. I miss my surfboard. <laughs> so like how, how often are you surfing when you're there? I 
say like two or three times a week I'd go and it's wow. not all day maybe an hour here and hour there mm -hmm. it's pretty tiring for me because I'm still kind of a beginner working up on that endurance and learning some of the bigger waves and things like that and this is also a community too because there's people that I connect with that teach me a lot about this sport by just watching them surf or surfing alongside of them or mm. hey I'll see you in the water tomorrow you never know where or which part of the water they're going to be in or at what time but somehow you just find each other at the same time it's incredible so, that's awesome yeah. <laughs> when you're there do you miss anything about the U.S.? I think the most things that I miss are they're really deeply rooted in, in the Texas culture. So I miss chilies. I miss the variety of chilies and the flavor of chilies and all things Tex-Mex, like salsa and queso and uh, pinto beans. Don't get me wrong. There's red beans and there's black beans down there, but it's not quite like a pinto bean, you know? <laughs> the yep. flavors, just the flavors of Mexico and Texas mixed together. I really miss this. I really miss my puppy dog. He's a big old senior Labrador, and he's living a comfy life with his grandma here. She called mm. him granddog. So <laughs> he's going to stay here and be and be a happy boy because I got plenty yeah. of beach dogs out there that follow me home that sometimes need a dry place to sleep when it's pouring rain. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so you're willing to just let them come and, and uh, take shelter in your place, yeah? Yeah, they do. They sometimes just follow you home sometimes if it's a little late at night and you're leaving the beach or the bar and you're they'll they'll follow you home just to make sure you get home they they know you you know them sometimes they sleep on your porch sometimes they'll just drop you off at your door and they'll mosey on <laughs> so yeah of course if I'm gonna know I'm gonna take him in if he's gonna follow me home <laughs> so what do you not miss Ooh, I don't miss the hustle and bustle. I don't miss being in a hurry. I don't miss traffic. I don't <laughs> miss how everyone wants everything to be correct the first time, every time, and they don't have the flexibility to maneuver through a change or mm. a repair or a workaround or something like this. It's yeah, that was really difficult for me. And there's a lot of expats that come to Samurai and try to implement these things in town and it never works for them. And then they get just more frustrated and angry and then they leave. And clearly it's not the place for them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I also don't miss, I don't miss gadgets. Yeah. I don't miss technology. I don't have television. I don't have hot water. I don't have air conditioning. Um, you can find places with those things, absolutely. But you can be quite comfortable without all those things also. You don't have hot water. No. Hmm. Sometimes I miss the hot water when it comes to hair washing days on a cold, rainy day. Okay. So, but I get enough time in the ocean that I stay fairly clean, you know? Okay. I need soap about once a week. <laughs> Fair enough. So how would you say that uh, living overseas has impacted you? Like, how are you different now uh, than you were before you you started these travels? I have definitely improved my communication skills. Um, mm. And this comes in many ways. One of them, of course, is learning a second language. 
No Spanish and English teachers communicate with the majority part of the world now. Or I say majority, maybe that doesn't count in Asia. But it's not just about the language. It's also about learning cultural differences too, about body language and situations that are different from living in the States. Mm -hmm. And also I've developed more self-confidence and self-esteem. This helps with communication as well, because if you're afraid to ask or to explain or to help because you're afraid to communicate, then yeah, that's also a barrier. So once you work past that self-ego and that fear, then everything becomes a little bit easier, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then you learn how to uh, be a little bit more creative when it comes to problem solving, a little bit more resourceful. The tools that you have on hand in the States may not be what you have at hand in another country. You know, people go about fixing their sink a different way or calling yep. the right guy to come repair something or other. Maybe this guy takes forever. So you, mm. you learn your resources around or you learn how to do it yourself. Or maybe booking travel. Not everything is available online. So you you are forced to go and ask someone about a ticket. Where's the ticket booth? Where's the bus stop? And then you have to go talk to someone else to actually make those transactions and figure out where to sign everything. Even schedules aren't online. So you have to go ask. Um, and then, what else? What are some other things? I think also being exposed to all these different cultures, it's it's helps me become a little bit more introspective about mm. the deeply rooted prejudices and bigotry that have become entrenched in the behaviors of some of my loved ones here. And mm. I'm becoming more comfortable with challenging them about their behaviors as well. Mm. I find that these biases are largely unconscious and they occur due to ways of thinking that are beyond awareness. Mm. And I believe that the remedy to these negative behaviors is to have more exposure and increased contact between groups and understanding. It's important to value diversity. I believe that more people should travel. Um, mm. Twain said something, travel is, the, is fatal to prejudice, right? Mm. If done in the right way, you know, I think. On Friday, I heard somebody say, like, we all talk about wanting unity, but we want unity without diversity. What most of us really mean is we want everybody else to be unified with me. Ooh, that sounds boring. I, well, I, I right? agreed. If agreed until something. Same way. <laughs> well, agreed until something right? comes up that I think is important. And then I do actually want everybody else to be like yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 for example, when I'm talking to Phil and we're talking about music, I want him to agree with me that 80s music is better than 90s music. And <laughs> that will never happen. <laughs> okay, so speaking of travel, uh, let's go beyond where you have been. And if you had two weeks that you could go anywhere you wanted, all expenses paid, where would you go that you haven't been to yet? So I have not been to either North or South Pole, and I really like to go see the Aurora Borealis. I think it's called something else in the South. I don't know what it's called. Either way, Northern Lights, Southern Lights, I want to see that magic that happens in the sky, and I want to sleep under it and camp under it. And just, mm. I can imagine there's music that also comes with the colors. Maybe that's just me being a little loco, but... <laughs> 
I actually got a chance to do that just a couple weeks ago. My uh, my wife for her birthday, for her 40th birthday, wanted to go uh, camping up in Minnesota. So we went to far, far northern Minnesota and uh, you can rent an island that you can camp on. It just has, you know, tent sites and we just put our tents up and got to see the Aurora Borealis two of the uh, three nights that we were there. It was pretty amazing. All three nights you saw them? So, well, two of the three nights we saw them, yeah. Wow, that's magic, man. <laughs> I had a friend of mine who I went up to see in Vancouver uh, who was trying to talk me into going to Whitehorse, which is in uh, Yukon territory. Okay. Okay. And uh, apparently, like, that's far enough north where I, I, I'm told you can see them in northern Minnesota, but apparently the further north you go, the, the, the clearer you can see them, both because yeah. of distance and atmospheric concerns. Um, so maybe I'll meet you in Whitehorse someday. I <laughs> We, we were talking about uh, possibly doing a trip to Alaska and then going over to Whitehorse from there. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Ooh. It's definitely on my wish list. So is that where you're going? Who, me? Yeah, on your two weeks all expenses paid oh, trip. Is here, that where you're going? Whitehorse it is. I had all right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we're going to move on to our top five. Strap in, because it's time for another Vicarious Encounters Top 5. And the top five this week, even though you said that you were uh, you were glad to get away from gadgets, our top five is top five apps. So, <laughs> And, and to, be to be clear, we did not clarify whether it's iPhone or Android, uh, nor do we care. So I say, like, does that matter? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it does because there are some apps that are available for one and not the other. Yeah. And uh, we are. I feel like that's less so now than it was a few years ago. I'm into. I digress. That may be true. So, so let's, but let's clarify this going in. Phil, Android or iPhone? I have an Android. Okay. I have an Android. Kate, please tell me you have an iPhone. I do. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Okay. Good. So we're, we've got our bases covered. Excellent. Number five. My number five is uh, super specific. And the app is called MyQ, and it only works if you have the particular uh, garage door opener that I have. But being <laughs> able to open my garage door from my phone is the most useful app that I have. I do it uh, multiple times a day, <laughs> so it had to make the top five. Well, my number five is Brave, and Brave is a... Um, it's a browser that absolutely does not allow ads through, and... It's gotten so ridiculous for me to go to so many websites. There's just pop-ups and things, especially when I'm on my phone, stuff everywhere. And the Brave browser actually, there, there's so many, there's so many uh, uh, websites out there now. You try to go there and it's like, first you have to disable your adder before we can do this. But you don't have to do that with Brave. You just use a browser and it's gone. I love it. Wow. That sounds great. Now I've got to add that to my phone. Thanks. <laughs> Kate? Well, my top, well, my number five is a units converter app because I can't do it in my head from Celsius to Fahrenheit or from meters to feet or mm. it's hard. I've been doing it. I've been living down here long enough. You think I have it already? Mm -mm. <laughs> hard. Number four. My number four has a little bit wider range, but will be of no use probably to either of you. But that is BG Stats. And BG Stats is a, an app specifically for keeping track of your board game stats. 
you uh, import your collection and you keep track of wins and losses. And we don't talk about how much more my wife wins than me, but <laughs> BG stats. Very good. My, uh, my number four is Duolingo. I love this because it helps me learn language. And uh, I'm, I've been, uh, I'm on like a 600 and some odd day streak with Duolingo in French uh, because I go to West Africa at least once a year. And my wife and I have been to Paris and we're hoping to go back and fr French, I mean, I live in Texas, so I have a little bit of Spanish, not a lot. It's mostly like Spanglish, but, uh, <laughs> but, I, but I do, I'm learning some French and it's very useful when I travel. Wonderful. My number four, I've lumped a bunch of them together. It's Marco Polo, Facebook Messenger, Instagram. I use these social accounts mostly to communicate with people who can't keep up with my constantly changing phone number. You know, as I move from country to country, my SIM card changes quite a bit. So instead of just sending my phone number out to everybody, I'll just type a message through social media. So yeah. nice, nice. Number three. My number three is an app called Chwazi. And Chwazi is a fantastic app that has one very, very limited function. When it turns on, everybody puts their finger on your screen and it picks a finger. It's used primarily to decide who goes first in board games. And then occasionally I use it with my children whenever they're try arguing between who gets to do something first. <laughs> but, okay. Yeah. That, that sounds pretty basic, but, but rather useful. Like it literally is super basic, but it's super handy. <clears throat> so my number three is a app called Uversion. Uh, it has the Bible available in a lot of different versions. And the thing I th that I'm liking about it right now is if you want to read something with a bunch of other people, you can invite them to join in. And you can all read the same thing and then and you can comment and you can see each other's comments. So it kind of brings a social element to uh, to Bible reading, which I appreciate. So my number three is Google Translator. I feel like all my choices are pretty boring, but in my situation, it works, man. They're useful. Yeah, Google exactly. Translator, my, my, I can speak enough to get around, have a conversation, but sometimes you just need a little extra help. A little bit. <laughs> Number two. Uh, my number two is Audible. I use Audible constantly. I listen to dozens and dozens and dozens of books a year. And primarily it's through Audible. I mm. have a long commute when I go to work every day. I drive about 100 miles a day round trip. And so Audible is one of the ways that I find to pass the time. Okay, my number two is Marco Polo, so I'm going to uh, piggyback a little bit on, on Kate's number four. Uh, I love this app because you can communicate with people in, and you can do like asynchronous live communication, which means I can actually see your face, I can hear the tone in your voice, but I don't have to be available right when you leave that message. And I have friends in a lot of different time zones. I have friends that like... It's so hard sometimes to coordinate schedules for a phone call and especially like to actually tether myself to a, a screen where I can actually see somebody's face. But this way it allows me, no matter where I am, and I often do it when I'm driving down the road, I'll just stick it right there because I don't actually have to look at it. I can just stick it there and say start and I can talk to the person while I'm looking at the road and it's just so much it, it's it's such a better form of communication for me than texting or phone calls or just about anything else. 
I love this app. I am with you, Pete. I do the same thing. I love that you push the button and it starts recording and you push the button and it stops and automatically sends. So there's no backtracking and reviewing and deleting. Yep. Sending the real thing right away. And it feels so personal. If if I'm busy doing something, I can start it and I can say, you know, I, I can navigate something on the road or I can get yeah. something to drink. Like, you know, you know it's just like I know, hanging yeah. out with somebody. It's great. It's great. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So my number two is Magic Seaweed. And this is an app that I use to track the tides of the ocean in different beaches. So maybe I want to go snorkeling. I got to go at low tide. Maybe I want to go surfing. This beach is great for surfing at high tide. So it helps me see not only the tide levels and the times, but maybe the direction of the wind and what the water is doing for the day. So it just helps me mm. make, make better choices for putting my board in the water before taking it all the way out there and seeing what the waves look like. That uh, does seem very handy. I like it. That's cool. Yeah. Number one. My number one app is Podcast Addict. And there are lots of podcast apps out there, but uh, I prefer this one for two reasons. Number one, you can create virtual podcasts of um, audiobooks and things like that that are on your phone, like on your local hard drive of your phone. And it'll just, it'll just play the book like episodes of the podcast, which is super handy. Secondly, it has a very good variable speed capability. And I listen to books, especially at two times speed. And so, Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I like, I like having that versatility. I usually don't go more than one and a half on podcasts, but I definitely listen to everything faster. So Phil, I have to stop you there. I've got this friend named Kate that would encourage you not to try to live so much in a hurry. <laughs> live in the present brother. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it probably makes perfect sense that two guys that do a podcast would both have podcast apps as their number one. Uh, <laughs> so my podcast app, Pocket Casts, is probably my number one. Uh, I, and I, I'm much less savvy than Phil about why it's a good app. You know, I went online and said good podcast apps and read a few reviews, and I like this one downloaded. I, and I have almost no experience with anything else, so I'm utterly unqualified to say if this is a good app all i can tell you is i use it a lot it works for me and i like it so nice that seems like plenty to recommend <laughs> all right so my number one is whatsapp in my current phone plan i have unlimited whatsapp data phone calls text voice mm. messages which i really like because this is easy while i'm riding a bike and i can't type a message mm -hmm. record bloop, send uh-huh or a video message or anything like this. WhatsApp works with just about any phone all across the world. And even if I change my SIM card phone number, my WhatsApp account stays the same. So I don't lose connection with people, even if I'm moving from another country. So mm. it's my number one way to keep in touch with everybody. Are you ready? It's time for another unpopular opinion. All right, and finally, it is time for our unpopular opinion. And today's unpopular opinion actually comes from our guest. So, Kate, share with us the opinion that you think is unpopular. I think ranch dressing ruins everything it touches. <laughs> <laughs> Say gross. more about that. It's so gross. 
I, who made this as a salad dressing condiment? I mean, who wants to squirt mayonnaise all over their salad? <laughs> May- I mean, apparently a lot of people. What is it? Mayonnaise and dill and garlic? I don't know. Just no, no thanks. It's like creamy nothingness. Let's <laughs> let's take all the flavor and cover it over top of something that's bland and gross. And it doesn't add anything. It only detracts from the actual flavor of whatever you're trying to eat. Yeah. I mean, you have to admit now, first of all, I'm not a big ranch fan, but you got to admit, like for something that ruins everything it touches, there's an awful lot of people that like ranch dressing. I, I would be willing to bet. I haven't done any research, but I'd be willing to bet that ranch dressing is the most popular dressing in the United States. I, I'm sure you're right. Yeah. I just think it's disgusting. Yeah. You know, people want to put it all over their pizza to make their pizza taste better. In my opinion, if you need to make your pizza taste better, then you need to order pizza from another place. <laughs> exactly. So here's my theory about ranch dressing. I feel like ranch dressing sort of mutes the flavor of everything. I right. feel like, exactly. like it sort of levels. So my theory is that people who don't like strong flavors like ranch. I feel like ranch is a really strong flavor, though. It's a really? it's a pretty mild. I think it's I think it's pretty mild in terms of. I think I see what you're saying, Pete. But what in my mind, the people who are that way are children, <laughs> who do, who have palates that haven't yet been matured. Yeah, I think you're right. My my niece likes to dip her chicken nuggets in ranch. See, and and that's this is part of where I'm coming from. Like when I go to Buffalo Wild Wings, like if you get a, if you get a if you get one of those. Uh, ones that are really hot and you, like, you're like, I can't take that. You can dip it in ranch and you can take it. Okay. So let me tell you, while that is true, blue cheese is always an option and blue cheese tastes good. So <laughs> there's that. And actually my preference is Caesar, but I'm the only one who does that. I'm, I'm pretty old school. I like just some, a squeeze of lime and a little bit of lime, salt and pepper. Okay. Yeah. Pretty simple. You know, I want to say I did see my niece dip her banana and ranch dressing the other day, and she loved it. Wow. I think I think maybe this is a bigger a bigger conversation, not even just about ranch, but about condiments in general and their place in food. Like like you said, like you said about uh, the pizza. If you have to dip your food in something, does that say something about the quality of the food? And where is the line? Where's the line between enhancing the flavor of the food and covering it up? So I have to ask, Kate, let's do a couple other condiments here. I just kind of, I want to get a take on this. What do you think of ketchup? Ketchup has to be spicy. So plain ketchup is not really worth it. Plain ketchup is okay. Spicy ketchup is bomb. I prefer barbecue sauce over both. Okay. I didn't give you that choice though. This was ketchup. <laughs> so you're thinking like Whataburger ketchup. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. Okay. Even Whataburger ketchup could be a little bit spicier. Okay. I feel like I feel like that that uh that comment was insensitive to those of us who are nowhere near Whataburger. And now I'm, <laughs> I do I'm miss sad. Me some you just made me sad. Ketchup. I do. I miss all my burger. Okay, next question. Chick-fil-A sauce. Love, 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 love. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay how about mayonnaise yeah mayonnaise is great okay i like i like french fries and mayonnaise oh okay last question mustard yellow or brown mm, i think the spicier the better so brown okay yeah okay all right yeah okay so i should also say that i've developed a nickname 
where I live, um, they started calling me chili because I love all things spicy. Okay. <laughs> I love all things spicy on one end of my body. <laughs> you know they say they say that chilies are actually good for your they're good for you what's that yes right what's the name of that um the chemical that's in it the C. capsaicin that's it that's the one yeah it's supposed to be really good for you the more chilies you eat the healthier you're gonna be it, it is good for some things <laughs> It is not quite as good for some others. <laughs> well, Kate, it is. We have had a lot of fun today. Uh, before we stop recording, just got to know anything else about Costa Rica that you're like, you know, this episode would not be complete if I didn't tell people this one last thing. Oh, you hadn't hit me with that one. Uh, <laughs> I could go on talking about Costa Rica for ages. Um, Pura Vida, <laughs> you have to come see it for yourself. Okay. You know, I can tell you up and down really how you have to step down and relax. And you're like, oh, I can do that. Most people can't. You have to come try it yourself and see. You have to come. Well, thank you so much, Kate. It has been a joy. We, we've, we've been trying to get together to record this episode for a while. And finally, you came in the U.S. and you had good, a good Wi-Fi signal, which yeah, is not. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> not, as, not as great maybe maybe in Costa Rica, but. And we'd like to say before we uh, before we sign off today, if you have a friend who loves travel and they love hearing about other places in the world, you know, you are our best advertising. So we just encourage you to tell your friends, tell your family, encourage them to listen to Vicarious Encounters. And if worse comes to worse, just steal their phone, open their podcast app and subscribe on their behalf. <laughs> Bill. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. Um, you also can find Kate on Instagram. You want to give us your Instagram uh, name again so they can find you? So my side project is called Pura Vida Peritos. Here, let me type it in here because I'm sure I'm pronouncing it with my Spanish accent. So it is Pura Vita Peritos, and we will put that um, up on our socials as well so people can find you. Sounds like a great follow to me. If you are interested in supporting the podcast, you can do that through our Patreon. Uh, come over there, and it uh, comes with uh, special goodies like bonus episodes and uh, stuff like that. If you have any ideas of your own for a top five or an unpopular opinion, shoot them our way because we always like to hear what you guys want to hear about. The same is true if you have a country that you want us to have a guest from. Let us know and we will hunt somebody down. So once again, thank you so much for coming to uh, hang out with us on Vicarious Encounters. And uh, once again, I'm Phil. I'm Pete. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Peace. Ciao.